you know, as you get older, which I guess I'm getting older, but, um, you know, as you get older, it's interesting, uh, some things just seem special to you that weren't special when you were younger, I guess, but um, today we got guests with us, and uh, uh, Lee Hutchinson, his dad and my dad used to fish together. My, when my dad retired, um, he got a boat, and uh, they, the neighbor, who was just Lee's dad, um, they would go fishing quite a bit, and uh, that got to be a big part of their life at that point in time. And uh, so it was just neat having Lee. Um, having, well, I, I remember Lee as a kid. I don't know. We just we went to different schools and all, but you know we just hadn't really connected that many times. But it's just neat having that. And also this week, it was interesting. Um, we had a, some little bit of drywall work done, and the guy who was doing the drywall work, we got to talking about the church, and he said, where is it? And I told him it was out here, and he says, oh, he said, I used to go out there every summer. He said, my grandmother cooked out there for the holiness camp, and she'd go out there and cook all summer, and he said, my mom was divorced, and I'd go live with grandma. And so he had tremendous fond memories of this place. And I just thought, wow, how neat that, you know, he remembers that back from his past that that was still a special time for him and it was, it was here. And so we were, we were just talking about that and reminiscing about that. And, you know, like I say, as you get older, uh, some of those things I remember, uh, well, a few years ago, uh, another neighbor who had lived close to us, he was 93 or 4, I guess, and uh, he would sit and talk and he goes, well, you know, he says, I love to sit and reminisce because he says, you know, that's about all you got left. You know, and he said he just loved to sit and reminisce, talk stories. He says, there's not many people I can do that with. So that made me feel really good that I was old enough to talk to a 94-year-old and reminisce. I don't know. But anyway, um, we've been talking about the kingdom of God. And we've been talking about what is the kingdom of God and the fact that Jesus, when he talked about the kingdom of God, he told it in parables. He told stories. He says, the kingdom of God is like this. And just generally, as we think back on what we've talked about in today's message, um, you know, one of the things about the kingdom of God is you can see that Jesus related it to things that grow. You know, when he, when he talked about the kingdom of God, he, he talked about, well, it's like seed. You know, it's like, it's like something that grows. It's like a tree, a small seed, and becomes a tree. And, and he, he compared the kingdom of God to something that's living and grows. And I think it's important for us all to remember that. Um, one of the interesting things that I, as I've talked to people over the last few months is, you know what we like? We really like a small church. You know, a lot of us, we really like a small You know, it feels better. I don't know if you ever thought about that. But it's like, well, you know, it, it feels so good. We know everybody. We, we, we know everybody. It's just kind of like, you know, our little group. And you know, and that's great. And I, 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 I think church should should have that feel to it. But I think we have to remember that God's desire is for the kingdom of God to grow. You know, He really wants to reach people. You know, and sometimes that means growing, and that means maybe once in a while getting out of our comfort zone. But I think it's important for us to remember. And if if you like a small group, why just start one? So <laughs> that's my advice. <laughs> start one. You know, you can do that. I'm, I'm all for it. Um, today we're going to look at a parable. Jesus talks about wheat and tares, and it's in Matthew, the 13th chapter. Matthew, the 13th chapter, the 24th verse. 
And it says, in another parable, Jesus put forth to them, saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. And so the servants of the owner came and said to him, sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? And then how do we have tares in it? And he said to them, well, an enemy has done this. The servant said to him, do you want us to go out then and gather them up? And Jesus said, no, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let them grow together until the harvest. And at the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. And so Jesus now, he's, he's shown us this parable about wheat and tares. And he says, you know, good seed was sown. You know, a farmer, if he's going to plant seed, he wants to plant good seed. Farmers clean their seed so they get good seed. Now, that's very important. If you're going to plant seed, you want good seed. But it says that in the midst of this, as he planted good seed, that an enemy came. And an enemy came, and he sowed tares in it. Now, one of the things you need to know is uh, wheat and tares are very similar in look. You know, I mean, they're not the same, but, you know, if you've got a whole big field, and you throw all them together and blend them, you're going to have a hard time sometimes picking out wheat and tares. They're very similar in looks. And so the question was, should we go in and pull out the tares? Because they're not supposed to be there. They're, they're bad seed. And Jesus says, no. He says, let them grow together. Because what happens is, if since they're intertwined and growing together, if you start pulling out the tares, you're going to start uprooting wheat along with it. And it's going to be detrimental. So it says, no, let them grow together, he says, until the harvest. And then they can be separated at the harvest. Then there will be time to do that. And he says that he will send his angels to do it. And then Jesus went on in verse 36, and he explains this parable to them. And he explains that he took the multitude away and went into the house. And his disciples came saying, explain to us the parable of the tares. And he answered and said to him, he who sows the good seed is the son of man. That's Jesus. Jesus sows good seed. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil, and the harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather out from his kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness. So Jesus says, you know, the good seed are the sons of the kingdom. So good seed are those who belong to the kingdom of God. They are his children. They are the children of God. The Bible says to become a child of God, you have to be born again because it's spiritual. It's spiritual. It's not not like being born in an earthly family. You don't have a lot of choices. You know, but in God's kingdom, we choose to be in his kingdom because we choose to be born again. We're born of his spirit. We're spirit beings. And that's good seed. That's good seed. Then he says Satan comes and he sows other seed amongst the good seed. And so you have this, you have this field, you have the world, and it has God's people, and then it has the world. And Satan has 
the world at his disposal or the world is his area of influence and those that those that follow him and maybe follow him isn't the right word but you know Jesus said you're either for me or against me so if you don't follow him then that automatically puts you in the other the other realm okay it's not it's not necessarily a choice but you're either for him or against him so so you become part of that and then he says that at some point in time he says that there's going to be a separation there's going to be a separation and at the end of the age the angels are going to come and they're going to get the tares, and they're going to bind them and cast them into fire, which is the picture of hell. And then he says, the righteous then will be gathered, and they will shine forth as the sons of the kingdom of their father, of the sons, as they will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. So we see that, you know, he says, the wheat and the tares are going to grow together. Don't be uprooting them. Don't be, don't be stirring everything up. Let them, let them grow together. And he said at the end of the age, he's going to take care of it. So what can we learn from this parable? What do we learn from this? Well, one of the things we learn is that fact that wheat and tares look alike. You can't just look at them and say, well, there's, you know, if you look at a whole field, you can't say, well, there's the tares, there's the wheat. They kind of blend. And it's sometimes hard to differentiate. And Jesus talked about this a lot in his ministry, and especially when he dealt with the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious people of the day. And I want you to turn to Matthew, the 23rd chapter, and look a little bit at what Jesus said to this group of people. And in, in verse 14 in Matthew 23, he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. What's a hypocrite? A hypocrite is somebody who tries to look like something they aren't. A hypocrite. A tear. You know, a tear was trying to look like wheat. They were in the field. They were trying to look like wheat. And he says, woe to you. He says, because you devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. Therefore, you receive the greater condemnation. So we got a picture here of these people who Jesus says they're hypocrites their tears, what's one of the things they do? It says they pray. It says they pray. And it says they don't only pray, but they pray really long prayers because they're better. Did you ever think that? Did you ever think that a long prayer is better than a short prayer? Did you ever think that somebody was, I've heard people say this, and I don't know, it could be true, it could not be true, it but I've heard people say, wow, they really know how to pray. And I've always thought, what does that mean? What does that mean? Somebody really knows how to pray. Did they say a lot of words that impressed you? That doesn't mean it was a good prayer. That just means it was a lot of words. And these scribes and Pharisees, these hypocrites, one of the things they did was they prayed, and they prayed really long prayers. Why did they pray really long prayers? Because they wanted to be seen by people. They wanted people to see them and say, wow, that was a really good prayer. That was a good prayer. Because they looked like wheat. They looked like because they said long prayers. It goes on in verse 15. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you travel land and sea to win one proselyte. 
And when he is one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as you yourself. They win souls. Tares, hypocrites, they also win souls. They win converts. They want people to be like they are. And that's, that would seem like, well, that's a good thing. And Jesus says, no. He says, it's not about just making people like you. He says, because if you do, they're just as, you make them twice as much a son of hell as you are. Wow, that's harsh. Those, those are harsh words. Those are harsh. And I'm, I'm sure these people were sincere. We always give people credit for being sincere. I don't think we get any credit from God just because we're sincere. Sincerely wrong is wrong. We're sincere, but we're sincerely wrong. And so being sincere isn't the issue. And I think these people were, were trying to do their best, and they were, they were traveling all over trying to win a proselyte, trying to convert somebody. And we might look at it and say, wow, look at how hard they work. And all the time, they're, they're a tear. And if you go on down to verse 23, he says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. He kept, you know, do you think he's trying to get a point across here? You know, he's like, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. He keeps, he keeps saying that. He says, because you pay the tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you have ought to have done without leaving the others undone. What did he say? Well, they also give. He said they're givers. They give. He says they give of the tithe. Of course, they give this and they forget about justice, mercy, faith. So, you know, if you looked at them, they pray. They pray long prayers. They convert people. They give. You might even say they look like a pretty good Christian. You know, they look pretty good. Look pretty good on the outside. In verse 25, Jesus goes on and he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you're full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, cleanse, first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you're like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear, appear beautiful outwardly, but inside you're full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. One of the things about tares is they worry about the outside. They worry about how they look. They worry about how people see them. It becomes very important to them because they want to keep up that outward image because they want to look like wheat. They want to look like wheat. And so they worry about that. They worry about what people think. What will people think? What will people say? How will people perceive this? You know, they, they worry about that because they're always worried about the outside. And because they worry about the outside, they look pretty good on the outside. But what we find is that actually, Tares are just religious people. They're religious people doing religious activity on the outside, on the outside. Nothing's, nothing's changed on the inside. 
There's been no difference in their behavior, no difference in what they believe, no difference in how they live. There's no difference. There's no change on the inside. It's all external. It's all keeping up an image. Worried about what people think. What are people going to say? I thought about John the Baptist. If you want to turn to Luke 7. You know, John the Baptist, um, when he came, he was kind of an interesting sort of fellow. In Luke 7, verse 24, it says, When the messengers of John had departed, he began to speak to the multitudes concerning John. And Jesus said, What did you go out in the wilderness to see? What did you expect to see when you went to see this prophet? A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Now, what, what, was your, what was you looking for? the outside, and he says, indeed, those who are gorgeously appareled and live in luxury are in the king's court. What did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, a prophet, I say to you, and more than a prophet. What was it that they were looking for? What were they looking for? And what was John the Baptist at the time? The Bible says he was what? He was out crying in the wilderness. He said he wore camel's hair. Clothes made of camel's hair. I don't know if that was the finest thing they had in those days, but I got a feeling camel's hair sounds kind of crude to me. I mean, I think, you know, silk and those kind of things would probably be a lot better than camel's hair. And it said he ate locusts and wild honey. Well, he probably ate what he had out there. And I got a feeling that if you would have saw John the Baptist and if you looked at him, you'd have said, I don't know about this guy. I don't know about this guy. What do you see? Can you worry about the outside? Can you get all caught up in it? I think we ought to look okay. You know, I always check with Mary. Does this look okay? You know, because I worry about what you're going to think. And she goes, don't worry. They don't remember what you wear, but you do. (laughs) People tell me, oh, you know. So, you know, I think we pay attention to that. But, you know, it's just surface things. It's just on the outside. You can't tell what people really believe unless you know them on the inside. Unless you know them on the inside. So because of that, if we start pulling people up and removing them because we think or what we see, we're going to do damage. We're going to do damage. If we start getting critical and judgmental about people's behavior, we can do damage to people. You know, life is for some long, some it's not as long as others, but you know, life is a process. And you know, we don't always know what God's doing in somebody. We don't always know where they're at in their relationship with the Lord. And sometimes I think we make judgments way too, way too quick. And we make judgments based on what we see and what we think and how people appear. You know, one of the things that I've always been very careful of, and I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but um, for me personally, you know, I don't like to say much about people's salvation when I do their funeral. And I, I don't know if I should or shouldn't, but you know, Here's my personal conviction on that. It's just not my department. 
I can say what I perceive or I can say what I see, but you know, to say that somebody gets to go to heaven because I said so, it's not my department. It's not for me to say. Now, I always tell people, and I've mentioned it a few times at funerals, well, thank goodness the other side's not true. I can't keep you out. Because if we're going to be honest about it, then, you know, if, if I can stand up and say, well, you know, I think they were such a good person, and they, they believed, and, I, you know, I saw this and saw that, and I think, and so I think, you know, they're in heaven, and, you know. Consequently, I should, if I'm going to be honest, when I do a funeral, and I get somebody that I don't think's going, if I'm going to be honest, theoretically, I should get up and say, boy, sorry about that, folks. <laughs> Man, they were kind of bad, you know. And I've always said that I, I want to, and it'd have to be a family member where I wouldn't get a lot of flack for it, but I always wanted to kind of do that at a funeral. I always wanted to kind of say, boy, you know, they were kind of ornery. And, you know, they caused a lot of trouble. And, you know, they were not the one, but you know what? It's not because of how good you are or how bad you are that we get to heaven. It's only the blood of Jesus and what we believe. And I always want to do that, but I haven't got the right situation yet. You know? But think about it. Think about it. You know, it's not our department. We are not the judge. And I believe this is trying to tell us, folks, that if we start making those judgments... And we start pulling people up and uprooting them because we don't think they're what we think they ought to be. You're going to start doing damage to the whole body of Christ. You're going to start doing damage to other people who might get caught in that. So it's not up to us to try to decide all that. Our job is to encourage and share God's word. And then let the Holy Spirit work in people's hearts and lives. And let him work. We trust him. It's so hard to trust him sometimes because I want to get the job done. I, I got to, you know, most of the time God's not fast enough. You know, most of the time God's not working as fast as I think he ought to. Most of the time people around me aren't changing as fast as I ought to, as I think they ought to, you know. And most of the time I want them to change a little faster for whose benefit? For my benefit, because they're driving me crazy. <laughs> Think about it. Think about it. You know, so many times, you know, maybe we're selfish in what we desire and want. And maybe sometimes if we're not careful, we can start to do more damage than we do good. And we can hurt people and maybe hinder their growth. We can maybe hinder them from getting to the point where God would have them. And so I believe he's trying to tell us in this scripture, no, just leave them alone. Just leave them alone. Don't go out there and start pulling up tares. I don't know if you've ever, if you've ever, you know, planted garden, you know. Um, one of the things I always thought, you know, if, if you ever get sent out in the garden to weed the carrots, did you ever try to weed carrots when they're little? Now, I'm not talking about when they're carrots. I'm talking about when they're little bitty plants. And you've got to be really careful because you start pulling those weeds up, and I'm telling you what, you're pulling carrots up with it. Because them little things, you pull weeds, and you get carrots coming up with them little, with them weeds. And it's like, oh, maybe I ought to just wait a little bit. 
maybe I'll just wait a little bit and let them grow together. And when the carrot gets rooted a little more, maybe then I can go out. And of course, in my situation, which is why I don't have a garden at this point in life, that time was at harvest. <laughs> I'm at harvest, I'd go out, and at that point it was a lot easier because the carrots are big and so the weeds are this tall, and I'd dig through the weeds and find carrots down in there. You know, that's how, that's my gardening expertise, you know. But there's so many times with, with little plants and all, and they're tender. They're easily, easily hurt. They're easily offended. They're easily disturbed to the point you've got to let them grow. Let God work. Sometimes it's messy, maybe. Sometimes it's not the way we would like it to look. I think sometimes in the church we have to be very careful that, that our desire isn't more of worrying about, worrying about how things look than what God's doing. And we need to allow God to work. I want to share from 1 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. 1 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, the first five verses. It says, Let a man so consider us as stewards, as servants of Christ, and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required that stewards, in stewards, that one be found faithful. But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or any human court. In fact, I don't even judge myself. For I know of nothing against myself, yet I am not justified by this. But he who judges me is the Lord. Therefore judge nothing before the time, until the Lord comes, who will bring bo bring, both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the heart. Then each one's praise will come from God. You know, Paul's, that's what Paul's saying here. He says, don't judge anything before it's time. And what is that time? Well, it's when the Lord comes. Because you know what? He's a righteous judge. You know, our judgments aren't righteous all the time. Our judgments aren't always perfect and pure. Our judges are influenced by sometimes what I think or how I perceive things or what I want or how I want it to be. And maybe because of that, we make false judgments. But it says at the right time that the Lord comes, he's going to bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the heart. Then each one's praise will come from God. And God's going to take care of that. That's his department. It's his department, and we ought to leave it to him. We ought to leave it to him. Do we make judgments in life? Yes, we make judgments. You know, we make judgments about what we think is right, what we think is wrong. You know, if we didn't make any judgments, we'd probably all be just wandering around aimlessly, but we make judgments based on something. Hopefully, hopefully it's on truth, which is God's word. But, you know, we make judgments, and I think we're supposed to make judgments. We have to make judgments. But we don't have to judge someone to salvation. And that's not our department. It's not our place. Because we'll tend to look at the outside. We'll tend to look at the outside. And we'll tend not to always know what's really on somebody's heart. And when you look at the outside, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to miss it sometimes. And so consequently, I think even in the church, Paul's, you know, they're saying here that, you know, in the church you're going to have 
wheat and tares, believers and non-believers, even in the church. Is that bad? No, I think it's pretty good. I think it's pretty good. Hopefully. Hopefully it's a good place for them to be. You know, sometimes we make rules about what you have to be to be in church. What you have to live up to or how you have to conduct yourself, you know. And, and you know, and we make judgments about some things, but you know what? We have to be very careful that we're not trying to make these judgments so that we can make everything correct and we start eliminating people from hearing the Word of God. We have to be careful about that. The church isn't for only believers. You know, the church is also meant for non-believers to come and hear the Word of God. To come and hear the Word of God. And we have to be willing to do that and not make those judgments and not be critical, not look down on somebody. You know, the Bible says, you know, when certain people come in, we go, oh, wow, they look pretty good. They look important. Here, come right up here and sit up front. You know, or we make another judgment and somebody comes in and says, whoa, they look kind of bad. Oh, hey, we got a good seat for you in the back. It's the best seat in the house. You know, we have to be careful. Be careful. How we make judgments and when we're not to judge. And remember, it's not on the outside, but it's the heart. It's the heart that God's concerned about. It's not all the things we can see. And, you know, sometimes it's just religious activity. And that's why when somebody says, well, you seem so religious, I don't know if that's a compliment or not. That, that cannot be a compliment. You know, well, you seem so religious. What? Because, I mean, is that back to that, well, you pray long prayers, you give and you seem to do all these good things, so you must be religious? I, you know, Jesus said the hypocrites did that. He said the hypocrites do that. So that's not where we make our judgments, but it's the heart. And we can't always know exactly where somebody's heart is. And so we leave that up to him. We're to love people. We're to encourage them, support them, share God's word with them, pray for them, and then leave the rest up to him. Let's all stand. Heavenly Father, we just ask you, Lord, to remind us when we might get critical about somebody because of how we see something or how we feel or Whatever we might do, Lord, help us to be careful. Be careful about judgments. Be careful about uprooting things that don't need uprooted. Lord, help us to be willing to let your Holy Spirit work. To work in hearts and lives. So, Lord, people would be drawn to you and to your love. Lord, we thank you for loving each and every one of us and for caring about us. Lord, I pray if anyone has a need this morning, if you have a a prayer need, something you'd like someone to pray with you about, that they'd come up and let Rose and Jim pray with them this morning. Rose and Jim will be over here to my left by the screen. And Lord, encourage them to come up and let them pray with them, that they might agree with them, whatever it is that they might be struggling with. Lord, we are to bear one another's burdens. And so, Lord, we thank you for that privilege we have. Lord, we just pray that you'd help us as we go forth. That, Lord, we would always remember that it's what's on the inside that's most important. 
And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to work on those things that are on the inside of us so that we might become more like you. We just thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.